Whoa, pump those brakes, buddy. Pump the brakes. Hello and welcome to the We Believe podcast, a discussion program where we seek to strike a balance between biblical truth and daily living. This program is a production of the Salvation Army of Manchester, New Hampshire. I'm your host, Captain Mike Harper, one of the core officers and pastors here at the Salvation Army of Manchester, and with me in the studio is my co-host, Reverend Warren Tanner. Also, the views and comments, statements, and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent the official position of the Salvation Army. If you have a Bible question or topic you'd like us to explore here on the program, we'd love to hear from you. You can send it to us by email at info at samanchester.org or look us up on Facebook on the We Believe podcast and leave us a message. Either way, we want to know what's important to you. Morning, Pastor Warren. Hey, how are you? Good to be here again. Pretty good. Pretty good. Happy Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh the waning days of summer are here. Yeah. And fall is approaching. It's it's that time of year where you need the heater on in the morning and mm-hmm. the air conditioner on by lunchtime. Yeah, the leaves are turning. The leaves are starting to turn. My granddaughter was just mentioning that yesterday. She said pretty soon, uh, three years old, and her three-year-old vernacular said, uh, the leaves will change in fall. <laughs> and uh, so... Uh, We've got some beautiful trees that line our backyard. It'll be nice to watch. So today, it's the untamable tongue. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to get there, and um, we're going to unlock some of this universal truth that's in this chapter about uh, how to use the tongue, how to not use the tongue, uh, the damage it can do, and all of that. But uh, you actually had some interesting um, research that that shows that the 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 main message in this chapter is less about the tongue and its use, and more about the teacher that's behind right. it, using it, wielding it. Right. And so, I'd like to get into that, and I'm I'm very interested in hearing what um, what you have to say about that. But why don't we go ahead and read the first few verses here? And get us started. James says in chapter 3 of James, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, And we turn their whole body. Also look at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Hmm. So we'll get into that um, universality of this passage about, uh, I love these analogies that, that James uses to describe the tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, painting word pictures like that really helped to amplify yeah, the meaning. For sure. But before that, and I've I've blown by this for years, I guess, um, you were kind of stopped in your tracks where it says, 
my brother, let not many of you become teachers. Right. Yeah. I mean, so just so briefly, I, I ended up, I've always wanted to check out this King James study Bible. So I happened to find one as I was telling you at the grocery store hmm. on the shelf. And I just really personally for myself at that particular juncture felt like it was a real gift from God. So hmm. anyway, I've been blessed by using this thing. And so this morning after my devotions, I, I, thought I'd bop on over to chapter three here in James and read a little bit and then to see what the notes said. So, you know, as I was sharing with you, um, this, this note kind of smacked me upside the head, mm. you know, in, in a good way, because I've always taken this chapter generically about tongue beware of, and, and it is about that, but the context, and if their note here, which I want to read is correct, and I think it is correct, puts it a whole, in a whole different perspective of approaching it primarily, for, at least for me, from my perspective, the preacher. So mm. let, let me just read the note here. It says, the theme of chapter three, often regarded as the tongue, is more properly the teacher. So right off, that's what got me. The theme of the chapter, you know, though we regard it as a tongue, it's, it's more properly, they say, the teacher. The chapter progresses from the teacher to his primary tool, the tongue, then to the source of his teaching, his wisdom. Mm -hmm. James must warn the many who were seeking to teach in the church, since in the early church it was an easy matter to teach in a synagogue as well. Both Jesus and Paul demonstrate that even strangers could teach. Anyone who thought he had, quote-unquote, the gift to teach would also want to use it, and it was misused. James' warning is twofold. The teacher will receive greater scrutiny from God because the teacher often passes judgment upon his hearers, and the primary teaching tool is the tongue, which no one can control sufficiently. And I have to tell you, that note just blew me out of the water, and it just really... Ah, gosh, I found great comfort and conviction in that. But like I've been sharing with you off and on, I think the condition we find ourselves possibly anyway, this is my theory, in, in Christianity in America, maybe worldwide, you know, we want to point the finger at the world and how wicked the world is. And, oh, we have worldly people sitting out there in our pews. But it really falls at the very root of it, upon the preacher, that guy that's getting up there who says, brethren, be not many masters. I, you know, here I am. I'm your teacher. They're the ones that need to have fear and trembling because we're handling the oracles of God and presenting it. And so this whole chapter somehow you can flush out now has to do with this, this tongue and, and specifically the teacher, but also then the congregants, the guys in the pews, mm. what do they do with it? And then how do they use their tongue? Yeah, it makes you want to stop and think twice about whether you should be a Bible teacher or yeah. not. Yes. You know, um, and maybe this isn't necessarily to dissuade the true uh, teacher from stepping forward to take on that that uh, responsibility, but to remind them and us of the seriousness of that mm -hmm. role. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is quite a serious thing to step into the pulpit and speak ex cathedra. Yeah. You know, in the place of God like that. Yes. 
um, and to speak for God. And, and you've got to make sure that what you're sharing is is going to be good for the people. Yes. It's easy to make it about something else. Mm-hmm. And you can get off into false teaching if you're not careful. Uh, sometimes that's specific, the specific goal of some people. Mm-hmm. Um, um, or because you have not properly prepared yourself or been prepared by the word, you can really hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so it is important to... Um, to not just do it for the sake of doing it. There has to be a calling and um, there has to be um, a a divine credibility that that is is the outcome of your teaching uh, to other people, that they're able to respond in grace and so forth. Well, this speaks to the heart of the teacher, the preacher, Whoever, because the the lips reveal what's, and this is what James is going to talk about. The lips reveal what's already in there. So this this first verse says, guys, check your motives. Mm. You know, come clean with me, come clean with yourself, and then be a clean vessel as you stand up there. Pretty much a, a an open conduit, as empty as possible of self, so that the truth of God's word can flow through in, in this human garb that we're clothed in. Yeah. Yeah. If you're if if you're not emptied of yourself, it's real easy to turn that pulpit into a soapbox. Yeah. And I mean, right. yeah, we preach regularly. I mean, we're preaching to ourselves right now. Um, you know, I have to gauge, you know, how my motives before I step in there while I'm in there speaking and then be willing to reexamine afterwards. You know, you know, Warren, what? Is it that you said, you know, what was your goal? What were you trying to accomplish? You know, was God honored? I mean, you probably do the same thing. I mean, one of the first people I ask is my wife, honey, you know, what did you think about that? And, mm. you know, and 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 then if that's even the case, I mean, for uh, every preacher to be who and what he needs to be, it's great to have a wife that he can go to and, and have that support because they'll, they'll tell you the truth. They know you the best. Mm. Yeah. So with that point, um, teachers are uh, going to receive a stricter judgment by God as to how they handled the word of God and taught others. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the transparency, though, of James, though, in verse 2, where he says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's perfect also able to bridle the whole body. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on to share with some uh, some universal application, the ways that show how difficult that is to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to be a perfect person, uh, that's a pretty high standard uh, when it comes to teaching. And, and he's saying, and he includes himself in this because he says we all stumble in many things. Yeah. I guess I find encouragement in that. <laughs> we be the best we can be, yep. uh, but you're still you're still going to fall short. You're still going to make mistakes, um, and so we put bits in horses' mouths so that they may obey us as we turn their whole body. Those little bits—it's what a four or five inch. You know, your son 
uh, yeah, Luke yeah. is a, a farrier, right? Yeah, yeah. Or a horse trainer? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my neighbor had horses, and from an early age, he taught me how to uh, to ride. And, yeah, this, you know, big animal gets moved by this small object. Same with the, where it says there about the uh, the, the rudders. Um, mm. You know, when I was in New Orleans and, and we were doing, you know, that work we did there for a while with the merchant seamen, I'd walk up to the docks and hear these humongously big, gigantic boats, you know, ships that travel the world. And, and yet the, the rudder is kind of small. And, right. and I can remember marveling at how, you know, of course, they have jets and stuff to help maneuver in close spots, water jets. But um, anyway, yeah, how something so small controls and manipulates something so big. Yeah. We, um, I've never been on a cruise. Uh, my brother has many times. And um, recently, my wife, Armida, and I were up in Maine in Portland, mm -hmm. down on the waterfront. And there was a cruise ship that was in. And that thing must have been 20, 30 stories They're massive, high. Yeah. They're massive. And you're right. I mean, you, you don't pilot one of those vessels and say, all right, at that buoy, we're going to turn left. You better be starting to turn left, like maybe a mile away yeah. from yeah. the buoy. Because mm -hmm. that for that ship to get great ship to turn with such a small rudder, it's, it's a process. Yeah. Um, and so... James lets us know that if you have control of your tongue, it's like a bit in a horse's mouth or like this, this tiny tongue can control the whole body and so many things. Same thing with a horse or, or, or with a ship with a small rudder. So that's a positive thing. Mm -hmm. And he's showing us what can be done if we are in control of our tongue. But then he goes on to say, uh, to share about some of the damage that can be done mm. by a tongue that isn't controlled. Yeah. And this is the part that's probably the most familiar part of James chapter 3 to most people. Um, let's go ahead and read that a little bit. It's uh, picking up in verse, uh, the second part of verse 5 and uh, reading on. It says, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of, our, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be. Does this, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just, just saying yes. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, what a powerful, powerful way to describe yes. the damage that a tongue does if it's not controlled. I mean, world wars are fought because humanity cannot control their tongue. Yeah, I'm looking at verse 7 where it says, Every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents 
uh, and things is tamed. Anyway, I think in the serpent and its 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 bite and sting. You know how much in Arizona the, the scorpions, those little teeny scorpions, you get bit by one of those little teeny things, it shuts down basically your whole body. I mean, you're in so much pain and agony. You know, there's not a whole lot you can do. It doesn't take much, is the point. It doesn't. Have you ever been in a situation where you know you shouldn't say something? Oh, yeah. And you keep telling yourself, don't say it. Yes. Don't say it. Yes. And then if you're fortunate enough to have a spouse, your spouse is right there alongside yes. you yes. saying, don't say it. I Mike. tell her to don't, kick me under the table. Don't. My wife has kicked me under the table and I've kicked her back. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> because I am ready to let her rip. Yes. And uh, oh, you set... You set off a conflagration that does damage yes. and burns everyone around. Well, so why do you think we do that? I, I, I mean, I, in one word, I, I, to me, it's flesh. My flesh, my flesh, does not want to be subdued. It wants its pound of flesh, and so I give way. It's a conscious choice. It's a decision. We do it, yeah. you know, to let that flesh get the better of us. Yeah. Well, James told us back in chapter two, or the end of chapter one, actually, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and even slower to become angry because, because he knows, maybe by experience, maybe just through observation of others, but he knows. By the time, look, if my lips are the final gatekeeper, and it's all fighting to get out, and it's reached my lips already, they're not holding it back. Um, <clears throat> giving ourselves or letting what is within us have its way with us to the point where we're saying very unhealthy, unhelpful, sure. hurtful things. Yeah. Um, you know, it, yeah, Well, I was just going to say, it has to be a process that starts a lot earlier than that moment. You've got to prepare yourself mm -hmm. regularly, almost like to go into training so that you learn how to, to restrain your tongue. I mean, even a fool is thought to be wise if he does until he opens his mouth. Yeah. So you were saying, and I'm going to jump up on off of this, uh, I think last time oh, or somewhere that this is almost like, a string of things that are almost like a proverb in and of itself. Yes. Okay, so I want to pull this back just a wee bit. Um, so James is our author here. So the best I can understand it myself and my, my little new study Bible tells me he was the half-brother of Jesus. Okay, so here's this fellow who I think in his book ex just explodes with this wisdom. So... Taking that back, okay, so he grew up with Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And so he had this wonderful example. There was nobody who demonstrated the perfection of a tongue more than Jesus did, even though some of the things he said were very, very cutting and sharp. Mm -hmm. And so I just wonder if somehow the background of James and growing up with Yeshua, uh, Jesus, and, and, and we, we know that his, his family members did not readily accept him right. until afterwards. So I wonder if 
some of that foundation, his own resistance to his own half-brother, the realization finally of who he was. Now he has time to, to reflect on this. I'm, this is all off the cuff mm-hmm. here, so correct me on any of this. He's had time to reflect on this. He's lived through some life experiences. You know, how wonderful it would be to have that model before him as the master teacher, the master preacher, yes. the, the role model. To, to fall back on. And I don't know if I'm dredging too much in out of this or putting too much into it, but, you know, because I read this and it's like, where's this guy getting his stuff? And I know it's under inspiration, but then it just dawned on me reading through this again that, you know, he's he grew up with the perfect example. Imagine, I mean, imagine having had Jesus as, as your half-brother, having grown up with him, uh, you didn't get it. Maybe when he was doing his, uh, when Jesus was doing his final or his three years of, of ministry uh, that led up to the crucifixion, maybe at, at most you were antagonistic to that. Yeah. At least, uh, or at minimum, you were indifferent to it. Because um, you're right, it does say in, in, in the New Testament that they didn't really, come on board with him until after his crucifixion. Imagine afterwards, finally having understood, I wonder what it must have been like to think, wow, if I had only taken advantage, I I had the Lord (laughs) physically in my home. Mm -hmm. Anything I could have wanted to ask, I could have. Yeah. You know, that just kind of blows my mind to think sure, sure. that, wow. I mean, I knew Jesus was a good guy and everything, <laughs> right? He never got into trouble like I did. Yeah. Uh, but the son of God? Mm-hmm. Imagine that. I, I just. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. And so, you know, I just wonder, because this book is so power packed, mm. you know, his source that he's drawn from, especially, you know, growing up with this guy, I, I shouldn't say it that way, but you know what I mean? Growing up with this guy in my house, right. he's just my brother. But then, you know, you know, anyway, I've already said I need to say that, but I don't know. It just, it just hit me. What, what a jump off point he had. And like you said, I mean, we all live with regrets. We had the wishes would have, should have, could have, but maybe that's some, some of that, what creates that intensity in us afterwards as we start to learn from what we've just kind of right. skated through. Right. James might have reached a point where, look, I've got it wrong up until this point in my life, but going forward, I'm not yeah. going to get it wrong we're anymore. Gonna make it I won't ever make this mistake again. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. He says in verse two, for we all stumble in many things. And then in verse eight, he says, but no man can tame the tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, after having said that just about everything in nature has, you know, humankind has been able to tame, but no one can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And now he goes on to show some of the inconsistencies and hypocrisies Mm -hmm. that our tongue, we allow our tongue to expose in us. And he says, with it, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing 
how fast we can go from being in Sunday church <laughs> to being in the Monday morning concourse of life. And we are just sinning all over the place yes. with our mouth. Oh, yeah. um, we curse others. We judge others. Uh, we, especially nowadays, it feels, I don't know, it's probably always been just as bad as it's ever been, but it feels worse now because with the advent of social media mm -hmm. and um, being able to post uh, anything that's on your mind or any kind of judgment against someone or something else instantaneously mm -hmm. and have it out there to the masses yeah. has led to uh, a sense of invincible invincibility and bravado by people who post things like that because they feel like, well, I can just post this out into the Twitterverse mm -hmm. and it, it's not going to come back to me. Mm -hmm. yes. You know, I'm not in danger. So we used to have social norms yeah. that kind of forced us to keep some of this yeah. in. Yeah, that's right. But those are gone on the internet. Yes. Oh, that's a great point. Totally gone. And um, right now in our culture, and it's happening worldwide, mm. there is so much negativity. The tongue, um, the the thumbs, <laughs> you know, the thumbs that, that, that tweet out all of this vehemence and vitriol are the tongue of the 21st century. And with it, we bless God, and with it, we curse others who are made in God's image. And people, I always say, people, no matter who they are, what they've done, uh, what station they're at in life, every person has value, inestimable value, for no other reason than that they are created in, in the image of God. You need to bring nothing else to the table. That, that is it. And so to use our tongue and our thumbs uh, on our phones and mobile devices to cut people down and praise God is a huge inconsistency that is, to James' mind, completely illogical. Because he says, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Mm -hmm. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear frigs? <clears throat> thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh water like James is like saying come on nature even tells you <clears throat> that this this should not be happening if you go to a spring and you're getting salt water one day and the next day you're getting uh, fresh water that, that's not how the world operates yeah. and so we are defying the laws of nature itself the creation, when we use our minds, our intellect, in our mouths to both praise God and to curse us. Well, it's almost like James is saying, look, nature does what it was created to do. Why don't we? Why don't we? And, <laughs> yeah. and part of it is, you know, they do it without a choice. We have choice. And so, yeah. you know, but basically these are objects that were created and they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. We're supposed to do 
what we've been created to do as new creatures and creations in Christ. Right. You know, to manifest this new man, to throw off those old clothes and those old works. You know, you were talking about how you can just Sunday, I, think, I don't know what you're saying, preaching, and then Monday comes. I, I don't even get to Monday sometimes. Some of the worst arguments I've had with my wife have been in the car just before I got to the pulpit to have to <sighs> preach. You know, and then you have to get up to preach, and you feel like the biggest hypocrite ever. And your kids who just witnessed this this barfing all over the car on the way to church and then the wife. And then you have to get up there and everybody thinks, you know, wow, that was a great message. And you're all, you can't wait to get out of that pulpit and get things right and get your heart right and confess your sin with God. Yeah. Your congregation is expecting that you've just walked down yes. off of Mount Carmel yeah. after having been with God and yes. your hair is white and wearing a veil. <laughs> and it turns out you just, you just lost it on your family in the car. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's why this is so real. It's this book is in the right sense so earthy. Yeah, and James is like, don't even let it get there. Yeah. Don't let it get there. Look, the things that are going on in our lives, the trials, the temptation—it all goes back to that, mm-hmm. right? On the way to church, when that fight erupts, <laughs> hey, listen, real, real talk here. Friday night, Armida and I were at. Uh, at a Salvation Army retreat mm-hmm. in uh, down south of Boston, and we were we were speaking on the Friday night, and I had just shared my testimony, and it was a <clears throat> it was a one of those glorious moments in ministry where it all just kind of came together, and God used it, and people were blessed, and and then five minutes after, when we left the room, my wife my wife was saying, "Okay, we're going to go over here and go do this," and it's like I misunderstood. She said I wasn't listening, but I thought I just misunderstood. She kept on saying I wasn't listening. And ten minutes, five minutes later, we're down in a corner of a hallway somewhere, and, and we're having this, no, stop it. I'm saying, no, you stop it. Please, honey, not here. You know, and there's people walking by, and they're, like, looking over, and it's like, I just got done, you know, sharing the glory of God, and now you're making me get all mad, and now you, people are going to see, and she's like, I don't care. They think, and it's like, oh, no. The wheels are coming off the wagon. There's blood everywhere, oh, gosh. and um, it happens. But we have these trials and these temptations that whatever it could be, <laughs> it can be something as, as complex as cancer or something as minor as you're irritated over something with one another. Yeah. But if we're quick to listen, slow to speak, slower to get angry, it heads off a lot of damage because by the time it gets to your tongue, brother, it's on its way out. Oh, hey, friends, sorry to do this to you, but we've got to hit the pause button for this week. Catch the rest of this discussion on the incredible Untamable Tongue Part 2 next week. Hey, just a reminder that you can find us online at www.samanchester.org or you can visit us on Facebook at the We Believe Podcast. When you get there, please hit the like button to our page. If you're ever in Manchester, New Hampshire, we'd love for you to join us for church. We have Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m., followed by our worship service at 11. The Salvation Army is located at 121 Cedar Street in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire, right behind the SNHU Arena.
Thanks for joining us today on the We Believe podcast. May the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart be acceptable in His sight. And don't forget, you are loved more than you'll ever know. Until next time, we believe.